Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Siege, we're recording on a Monday night, and we still don't know if uh, Morgan Riley's suspension handed out last week will be upheld or reduced by one game, essentially, at this point. I'm bracing myself that we will learn something during the recording. It has happened before where we've learned news while we're recording the CJ show. But right now, we have to act as if we don't know, because that's what's happening right now. So the fact that uh, we're at this point, if they do reduce it by a game, why would they go that direction? Or if they do uphold it, why would they go in that direction? Let's at least play out the scenarios as to why each scenario would happen when it comes to Morgan Riley. Well, this is a bit of a strange one. I mean, I, I would have thought by now we would have heard, um, you know, one way or the other, what, what Gary Bettman's ruling was. I mean, obviously, the hearing was conducted on Friday afternoon, and then it was the weekend. And there was the two outdoor games the league was dealing with, um, which were which were great in, in New Jersey there. But, you know, maybe that's delayed things somewhat. But typically, if you look over time, it's a one to three day window in which Gary Bettman would, would deliver a ruling in this case. And so, um, you know, I would have thought we would have saw it by now. You know, what's going to happen? Who knows? But if if they do knock a game off, I, I do maintain that it will largely be about Morgan Riley's past and and the lack of really nothing even close to supplemental discipline. We're talking no fines, you know, no warnings, no prior suspensions. Uh, you know, guy doesn't even take on average one cross-checking minor penalty a year. There's no pattern of behavior there. Would be I guess the best way to put it. And and you know that's that's the, to me what would in the event it, it gets reduced by game that would be enough. If it doesn't. Really, that's what Gary Bettman mostly does, right? I mean, there have been three previous uh, suspension appeals in this this season already. Uh, you had Charlie McAvoy's got upheld, Rasmus Anderson's got upheld, and David Perron's got upheld. And and you could go back over reams and reams of history, and and for the most part, when it comes to the commissioner's ruling on this, he's not going to change you know the standard established by the Department of Player Safety. So you know it's it's hard to read into to what the delay might mean. You know, it's we're at a funny spot, right? Morgan Riley has sat out four games already. It was a five-game suspension. So, really, what we're talking about, unless we think there's a chance that he could add games on, which I don't think there is, but that would be among the that's in the realm of possibility. But I don't think that that's something that's going to happen. Will Morgan Riley play Wednesday in Arizona for the Leafs or not? Is really what the question's down to. And you know, somewhat incredibly, the Leafs have won all four games without him in the lineup, but. You know, they are very much a depleted blue line. You know, he's their their top uh, player in terms of minutes. And and while they have won these games, I don't think you'd argue that they're better without him in, in, in the lineup. And so, you know, reasonably big stakes for, for them. But the temperature has gone down around this whole thing, in part because, look, at 
Time has done its thing. Time is a magical yeah. healer for everyone. But also the fact that the Leafs won the four games, right? I mean, it it, it at the time of the, the play in Ottawa, you know, the Leafs had just lost to the Senators. It kind of looked stumbling. You know, they ended up missing uh, John Tavares for two games last week. Mitch Marner missed a game. They have some other injuries and, and issues. You know, Ilya Samsonov is actually is, is a story no one's talking about in Toronto, or very few people are, but he's he's somehow regained his footing. But there was a lot of uncertainty even just a week ago. But then you win those four games, and, you know, some of the, the urgency comes out of it. But, I mean, look, there's urgency for Morgan Riley. I mean, one game is worth $39,000 in salary for him, and even more important than that, I think he, he obviously would like to get back in there for his team. Uh, the, the Leafs used a defensive by the name of Marshall Rafai uh, on, on Monday afternoon in St. Louis. He was the 11th different defenseman the teams used this season. So, um, you know, the Leafs' depth is is being tested big time with him out of the lineup, and we just kind of have to see what the, what the commissioner rules. I know we're in different tax brackets compared to Morgan Riley, but if you were told that uh, you were able to save $39,000, <laughs> how would you feel? Dude, are you kidding? You could you could do a <laughs> you, you could you could you know we just passed Valentine's Day, but I don't know. There's there's some other gift giving holidays coming up. You could really do some some nice shopping with that money rather than sending it to the the, the player assistance fund that, that that the money goes to when players are suspended. Um, yeah, it's, come on, it is a lot of money, and even for the money these guys make, when you when you think of you know when they transition to careers after their playing days, you had to spend a lot of hours working for that kind of money. Uh, when you when you enter the other you know the world on the other side of professional athletics, so um, you know I, I remember when Nazem Kadri was a Leaf and I was covering the team on a day to day basis. I had I had totaled up all the money he paid in fines and suspensions and and the like, and I think it was over five hundred grand. I was like, oh my goodness, Naz. I mean, that's like a couple of years worth of work on the other, like in real life on the other side or more. But um, I mean, that's it's hard for any of us to imagine what that would be like. But yeah, I think you'd appreciate that money back if you're Morgan Riley. For sure. Uh, bold prediction for me, and we'll put air quotes on bold. I'll say the suspension is upheld and Riley will just miss one more game and then things will be back to normal. Uh, I don't know if you have a prediction on it or if you're, you're just going to stay neutral, but I'll just say that it gets upheld. And if it's, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Won't be the first time. I honestly, just don't have a good feeling for it. I mean, it, you're you're betting like we're or not not betting, but you're you're predicting on the basically the safe side of of this. I mean, I don't have the exact numbers. I actually tried to get them, but it's a very very small percentage of suspensions that are ever reduced by the commissioner. The closest comparable, and I mentioned before, was the Jason Spezza situation. And if you read through that ruling, I mean, it's pretty clear. Basically, Batman's like Jason Spezza. What you did was brutal. You need a guy in the head. There was an injury there. You, you gave a concussion to Neil Pionk in that case uh, of Winnipeg. Pionk only missed three games. I say only, but he he sat out. He was, had to miss three games with his injury. By the time the appeal was making the ruling, it's basically like, look, you, what you did was awful, but you have 1,300 games and 19 seasons of example where you've never done that. So I'm basically going to call this an aberration, and I think by giving you four games right now, you're never going to do it again. And look, Jason Spetson never did anything close to that again. That's the only way I see this happening for Riley. And and it's not as long a track record, but it's 11 seasons. It's more than 800 games. We're talking about, you know, a guy that's got Lady Bing votes uh, in the past. He he didn't take his first minor penalty this season until January 14th, 41 games into the year. Um, and so despite playing the most minutes on the Leafs, he doesn't even commit sort of, you know, innocent tripping 
fouls or whatever at, at the regularity you might see. And so that would be the only case for leniency that I could imagine. Unless there's, you know, we'll see. The one cool thing I'll say, Julian, about the, the appeal process is you do get an, a pretty expansive document from Gary Bettman when he makes the ruling. He goes over what was said by the various parties in the hearing and then what he makes of it. And so maybe there's some sort of, there's something out there about this incident we don't know about, or there's some extenuating circumstances or something. I guess that's always a possibility too. But, you know, really the only path to reducing it is if you just say, I mean, you, you've had a pretty clean, long time in the league and we, we, we believe you won't do it again because four games is severe enough. Okay. Uh, apologies in advance. If CJ has to get up at any point to take a phone call with regards to this ruling. Anyway, uh, we could talk I'm on about the road, the though, and I'm recording on my phone, so I don't even think that'll work. I'm just, I'm, oh. I'm, I'm out of, po- as they say, I'm out of pocket right now, but I'm, I'm flying blind. I can't even be checking my texts right now. Okay. What does, okay. Not to hijack this because there's hockey talk to get to, but I tweeted about this today. What does out of pocket mean for you? I mean, I think it just means I'm unavailable, isn't it? Well, okay. Because. Maybe this is a different generational thing. When I hear someone say they're going out of pocket, it means something completely different to me. Oh, I'm pretty sure. Like, I'm pretty sure it's just a work term, meaning like I'm not available at this time. Like I'm not. But I, I mean, I don't know what you're like. What, what you're suggesting here? So, so like, because so I only realized that's what it meant to uh, people in the working world only when I joined the athletic that it would mean that you are unavailable for a certain time. Because beyond the traditional thing of out-of-pocket, which is paying out-of-pocket, when I hear someone say they're going out-of-pocket, it means they're wilding out and they're saying some crazy stuff. That's what I know oh. that phrase to be. No, never heard that version of it. I, I, am only, I only know the, the sort of like, hey, I'm going to be on a plane and there's no Wi-Fi for the next three hours, so I'm out-of-pocket. Like, if you need to reach me, you can't get me. Um, I've never, until I joined the athletic, I had never heard of that phrase being used that way. Well, it's funny because when you're asking me, like, what do you think when you hear out of pocket? I thought you meant just like, are, am I ever truly out of pocket? And like, the answer is no. I mean, I sleep with my phone beside my bed. So, I mean, I'm not looking at text <laughs> messages in the middle of the night. But if you phoned me in the middle of the night, it would ring and I'd probably answer it. Um, and obviously, just the nature of our work quite generally, I mean, it's 24-7 this time of year. So I'm never really out of pocket, except for right now, literally, I'm staring into my phone. And so if something happens while we record this pod, I'm just, it's just, it's going to be lost until we're done recording. Oh, boy. Well, okay. Now I have to ask, what's the latest call you've ever taken from a source? Oh, man, really late, like two o'clock a.m. for sure. Ooh. And it was not worth, even it was worth a- the phone call. Not even in like, a, I don't want to suggest because a lot of bars close at 2 a.m. I don't mean in a drinking situation. I mean, like where you've covered games and there's something happening after the gate, like it's that that requires you to stay up that late. And then that that sort of thing happens. But yeah, I, I can recall, especially earlier in my career, a lot more late, late night phone calls about work stuff. Doesn't happen as much now because people don't call as much. I mean, I, I still like to call, but but yeah. it's it's a lot more texting, right? And so often I will wake up to a text that was sent at a weird hour, but I just get it at 7 a.m. or whenever my alarm goes off. Always glad whenever we're able to get like stuff inside CJ's head with how he processes new stuff. Anyway, uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs, 4-0 uh, since the Morgan Riley suspension was doled out. 
And there are two stories, at least for me as an outsider, that stand out. And please feel free to add more. But Austin Matthews continuing his torrid pace on a 75-goal pace, or maybe that's changed after the Monday game. That story I'm very into. But Bobby McMahon, I, I, I don't know anything about this guy. But it seems as if like almost every like the last few games he's been producing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm very intrigued about both of those stories. What's your insight on both of them? I just did some quick math here with the laptop computer, and it is still a 75 goal pace for Austin Matthews. There um, we go. And that's even, that's even missing a game. What's incredible about his 49 goals, Julian, not one of them into an empty net. And if you go back and look at them, there's not a lot of sort of fluky ones or, I know Anaheim, like he had the hat trick against Anaheim on the weekend, and obviously that was not an extremely competitive NHL game. But even then, I think his last goal was like the fifth goal. Like he's not scoring the ninth goal and 9-1 wins. I know they all count, and empty net goals count. I'm not trying to – this is not actually to launch a debate about that. It's more to to actually spotlight that this totally has is like outrageous. I think he's got 10 more 5-on-5 five five goals than anyone in the league. Um, and, you know, that's probably – if you're looking, the two guys you mentioned there are, are probably the main reason the Leafs go 4-0 without Morgan Riley. I mean, there's other performers within those games. But, you know, they clearly needed someone to step up. Matthews has back-to-back hat-tricks and then scores again in St. Louis on Monday. Uh, McMahon has a hat-trick, a two-goal game, and then has a pretty nice, as nice as it can be, empty net goal where he had to do some work against the Blues. And so, I mean, these guys come from often ends, opposite ends of the spectrum. Bobby McMahon is older than Austin Matthews. Uh, he's an NHL rookie. And, you know, Joshua Cloak actually had a really good story on him earlier this season about sort of his path. But if I can if I can boil it down without too many details, is he was a pretty elite offensive player or a high-end offensive player in most of the leagues he played in as a kid. But, you know, it looks like he was going to stall out. And he had to spend a lot of time with his dad as a kid, uh, or he chose to, shooting pucks. I mean, it sounds like a simple thing. But, you know, if you look at, his game and and he played a lot of NHL games uh, quite frankly um, where he didn't score goals, but he's got a pretty good shot. And so what's happened here in the last week, look, PDO is doing his thing in the positive direction. If you're Bobby McMahon, if he scores all these goals, it's not as though he's generating 12 shots a game, but they're going in for him and he scored some nice goals. He's beating NHL goaltenders straight up with a shot and he's getting a little more confidence. And with some of the holes in the Leafs lineup, he's getting more ice time. And, you know, I don't, you know, ultimately when this team is, I mean, we always play this game. If you assume a world where everyone's healthy and, and you can just choose the lineup you want, which so rarely happens in our sport, I think you probably noticed, but you know, Bobby McMahon's probably not being put in a scoring position, but you know, I think what the Leafs have needed badly all season long is some secondary scoring. And he he came through in a big way in that regard this week. I mean, the, the game he had the hat trick in, he's supposed to be scratched. But, you know, Mitch Marner got sick and, and John Tavares got sick and, and both were kind of like all day long. Well, Tavares's case was all day long, like Willie or Woney. Marner actually showed up to the rink and then just couldn't play. And so that's what got McMahon into the lineup that day. And, and he gets a hat trick. So, um, you know, it's it's one of those feel good stories. I think anytime you got a 27, 28 year old NHL rookie, uh, he seems like a very nice guy. I don't know him super well, but he's, you know, he's taken the long way to this moment and clearly savoring you know, getting a chance to help the team out. I mean, it's it's a good story. You know, he was up last year, too, with the Leafs a little bit and suffered a, an injury, missed, you know, the back half of the season and, you know, wasn't talked about a lot in the summer when you're projecting forward the roster. Like, no one was giving him a roster spot. So 
he's had to kind of earn it the whole way through here. And and again, I don't I don't know what kind of long term score he'll be in the NHL. I think a lot of that will be, you know, how he's used. The key to him, the key for him is finding a way to be able to do other things in the lineup that that keep him there consistently. And then obviously when he gets his looks, he does have the kind of shot where he can score some goals. But on a team like the Leafs, it's just not not a lot of power play minutes up for grabs or some of those other opportunities to put up offensive numbers, but he's had a big, big week. And I think it comes at the right time because, you know, there's, there's an alternate universe where we're having almost like an emergency. What the hell is going to happen in Toronto pod, but they go four and without Riley and all those other absences. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what a, a team has to do to make the playoffs for one, but also to just calm things down uh, at a time. It really wasn't that calm a week ago. I'm glad you titled it that. Like, what the hell is going to happen with the Toronto Maple Leafs? That's that's probably a good podcast. I think uh, I think a small section of our fan base would respond positively to such a podcast if we had it. Well, and they should be feeling good too. I mean, this is like nobody knows what's going to happen this season, right? I mean, on this day, we saw the top team in the league, the Vancouver Canucks, give up seven goals in the third period of a game in Minnesota. Now, two of them were into an empty net, but even still. I would say I didn't have that on the scorecard. You know, you were at the game in Calgary today where Sean Monaghan scores a, a hat trick in the first period for Winnipeg, and yet the Flames come out on top yeah. in that game. I mean, it, it's it's a league. It's still a league of a little bit of unpredictability. I think we might get into this a bit if we get into the trade talk stuff, but there's there's still so many teams, as much as we do want to sort of discount teams or say, okay, this team has to sell it, like, especially in the West, like there's so many teams that are just right there on the cusp of wildcard spots, which I think can complicate some decisions. And I think at the top of the league or the Leafs are maybe not quite at the top and maybe the next tier of teams, you just have to stay in the fight and get to the best level you can. I mean, I mentioned Samsonov earlier. He's come back. I think he's won seven of his last eight starts. Uh, you know, he's passed through waivers, had a week away, sort of a mental break from the team. Like, there was a there was a point where people were saying like will he start another game for the Leafs and here he is giving them quality minutes I mean it's it's an unpredictable NHL right now I'll say that and I don't know what's going to happen but I I must say if you're a Leafs fan I mean having a player in mid February on your roster at 49 goals like you're going to have to watch a hundred years of hockey for one particular team to see that ha- like the odds of this are so minuscule I mean there's some of my friends that I see are like putting up these era adjusted goal seasons. Like I, I, I'm, and I'm not taking anything away from Matthews. I'm not, I'm not sure where this ranks. Like let's, let's let it all play out. But I think without question, it's one of it. It has the promise of one of the best ever goal scoring seasons in NHL history. I mean, it's, it's in that, that realm. You know, I, I've kind of viewed OV 65 as the magic number for anyone in today's game. And right now Matthews is on pace to beat it by 10. So I don't know if he can keep it up. I thought it was silly. This talk when it started, and another month has passed, and it's he's still like on that pace. So, I mean, the Leafs go to Arizona for the next game, Jonas, Jonas, Julian. Sorry, I had a Jonas Siegel. I see the, uh, I, see, I, I, I see the similarities between me and uh, Beanie Siegel. Absolutely. If I could explain that for anyone who wonders how I made that mistake, I was talking to Jonas because he's got a story coming out. He's going to Arizona for the game, and I just had like a brain melt. But think about if you're awesome, Matthews. <laughs> Growing up in Arizona, Matthew Nyes is line mate, also a native Arizona, and you got a chance to score 50 there. I mean, um, pretty that would be a pretty cool scene for him if he's able to do it, although it will be at Mullet Arena, not not maybe the venue you you anticipate, but let's okay, not open well, that I mean, can like, of worms. What about, what about the college kids who are going to be there? 
get to see a potential 50 goal scorer in the building. It's got to be fun for those people. We're going to act like there's not going to be any Leafs fans traveling to Arizona to watch this game. It'll be special. No, of course. And obviously Austin's parents will be there. I'm sure he's got tons of family and friends and the like. And same for Matthew Nyes. I think he said he's got 50 or 60 people coming. So you do the math. That's 60 out of like 5,000. He's got, he's got a chunk of, he's got 1% of the crowd is there to just watch Matthew Nyes. So, um, yeah, it'll be cool. Uh, but I'm just saying there's still some special things brewing in that season, even as weird as it's been, as many twists and turns as it's already had. And we haven't even got to the deadline yet and had a chance to see what what moves Brad Trilliving might have up his, up his sleeve. This episode of The Chris Johnston Show is brought to you by Liquid IV. Whether you're staying up late, yelling at the TV with your friends, watching the game, or just hanging out, going to a bar or establishment of your choice that you happen to enjoy frequenting on a Saturday night, you have to be prepared for that hydration Monday. We all know how Sundays can get, but that Monday when you're back at it at work, you need something to get you going, and Liquid IV can help you out with that. Whether you're taking in the white peach flavor, the grape flavor, lemon lime, they have a whole assortment of flavors at your disposal, and they keep you hydrated. All you need is one stick, literally just something that looks like this, 16 ounces of water, it's better than water alone when it comes to hydration. Three times the electrolytes over the leading sports drink. No artificial sweeteners, eight vitamins and minerals, and non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. It's perfect. It's great. Weekends are for going wild. Have a game plan for Monday with Liquid IV. Grab your Liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com. And use code Johnston at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Superior Hydration today using promo code Johnston at liquidiv.com. You mentioned trade talk a couple minutes ago, and I know we kind of touched on this in the last episode we did with regards to who was in attendance for a, a Flames game involving the Devils. But what do you think of this time of year where people like myself look at the look at the sheet of who's going to be in attendance of these games. And there are all these scouts and all these teams represented. And depending on the name, you're like, Oh, that person looks very high and important. Oh, that's a team's GM. How do you feel about the reporting of scouts and personnel that attend these games at this time of year and how much we focus on that? Well, I'd say it amuses me. It doesn't bother me, but it, it amuses me. Like I do laugh when, you know, a reporter in any given city today, there was one in Buffalo. Um, and, and then, you know, the reporters there are just doing their jobs. Like I'm not, but you know, they'll say Steve Steos, the Senator's GM is here, you know, today watching Sabres and Ducks. And then it sends like three different fan bases running, coming up with like what the trades could be. Cause like, it must say there's usually a bit more nuance. Like sometimes there's all kinds of reasons that Steve Steos might have been there or any other general manager that, that aren't directly related to him making a trade with one of those teams. If I could do like a, you know, like a, a short form of how do you interpret those sort of lists with the most idea of, of probability, there's two things I'd say to look for. One is if there's a relatively high ranking member of a team, it doesn't have to be the GM, could be an assistant GM or director of player personnel that follows a team to multiple games in a row. like and, and it's not in a market where he or she normally watches games necessarily. Because you have to remember, scouts are paid to scout games. And, and I'm not being sarcastic. They live a certain place. Like some 
there's a group of scouts that live in, say, southern Ontario. So they go to a lot of games in Toronto, HLN, NHL games. They go to Buffalo. Maybe they, they see the Ottawa, Montreal legs. And so, like, Pittsburgh. Point point is, is, like, if those scouts are there, I, I just sort of say, hey, that's that's them doing their job. They're staying close to home or what have you. But if you see one particular relatively high-ranking person go to multiple games, and that's hard because if you're not traveling with the team or you don't see that info on Twitter, it's hard to piece it together. That usually tips you off, though. Because I do know when teams are looking at a specific you know, player, maybe group of players on a certain team, like they'll often do that. The other one I'll say that always gets my attention, and there can be some reasons for this, but if you see like three scouts from one team at a game or yeah. four or whatever, I mean, again, that could be the result that there was a meeting and then they just were like, hey, let's go to the game while we're having this meeting. But especially this close to the trade deadline, to me, that's a sign that they're getting eyeballs and a lot of eyeballs on one player or maybe a group of players, you know, that they're choosing between. And so for me, it's like GM being at a random game. I think it's too simple to say that's an automatic trade and just, you know, and we're all doing like, we see this, I'm not being critical of any of our colleagues, but like, when you just tweet out, Oh, like 10 teams are at this game and it's one from 10 teams. Like that's you're, you're not, you're not getting like, those are, that's the empty calories. Like that's not telling you much. But the two things to look for, a group from one random team at a game, that that might tell you something. And certainly if you see someone following a team around, like that's that's what I always like to look for. So there's that's some really good explainer. You know what's funny? You know what's funny yeah. though? Really, if the high level takeaway here is there is some value to that information. It's just like how you interpret it um, you know, is important. And I think that too often it's just like you get one scout is in this game and then everybody has like 10 trade proposals, but it's like, it's not quite that simple, but it's also not completely random, especially this close to the, the, the deadline. I will say, you know, October, November, December, don't pay a ton of attention to that, but you know, we're two and a half weeks out at this point. There haven't been a lot of moves. There happened to be three Vegas scouts at that, that same Buffalo game today with Anaheim. Like to me, and I'm not saying I don't know. I don't know what that's all about. But that that to me go is like okay, that's interesting. That could tell us something. What might they be looking at? Where are the fits? And and that's worthy of breaking down more than, you know, one random GM being at a certain game. That's a good again. That's a really good explainer. Uh, I'll tell you. you know, I'll actual... give you one more example before we move off. Please, this, please, is please. Every once in a while, a random GM is saving at a Leafs game, and it's someone I know. And so, you know, they come in the press box and go, oh, I didn't expect to see you here, GM X. And and then that person will be like, oh, yeah, our top prospect is in the OHL. And so I was coming to see him play. And then I just figured I'd catch this game on the way. Like, that's the sort of thing that can be happening sometimes. It's it's like, so it would be silly to be like, oh, all of a sudden, whatever. I, I'm not going to put any hype, the, the names on that. But like that sort of thing, that is a typical interaction. That's why I'm saying beware of one random GM in a place thinking that that means a trade's coming. I can imagine too. I mean, uh, just as a random thought, like the, the bean pot just took place in Boston. Maybe you had a guy who is on one of those teams or you're scouting a player and you just so happen to just stick around for a Boston Bruins game that week. Exactly. Do you remember the story when, when the Leafs traded for Dion Phaneuf, which was a pretty big blockbuster at the time, Brian Burke yeah. actually went to flames games and bought a ticket and wore a hat. <laughs> when when, no when he was like yeah before that true story so that would be the other one but I, I i've never had this happen but if you bump into a rival gm in the stands in a hat trying to be incognito that might be a good tip 
<laughs> that might be a good tip that something's going on, but I don't I don't know how often that happens because as I say, I heard about that in reverse. I didn't hear that in, in real time. Like I didn't hear it until after the trade was made. But if you're ever at a random game and a random GM is in the stands trying to be incognito, that might be a hint too. And if that happens, please, you know, send me a Twitter DM and let me know that that's going on. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> and I promise we'll move off this, but this is just too funny to talk about. Could you imagine a GM trying to be incognito and fans just look through whatever disguise they're putting on and they immediately go viral because this guy is clearly at this game. <laughs> well, I would love so it. It would be harder for someone like Brian Burke, who's obviously always been a big personality, yes. been in front of the cameras a lot, but. You know, there's a lot of GMs in the league that are kind of anonymous, that they aren't maybe former star players themselves. They're in smaller markets, that they could get away with some degree of that in certain other places. I, I think you could pull it off. I'm surprised Brian Burke could pull it off, though. I remember, like, when I was, like, a Syracuse Crunch intern, there was a game, it was, like, a random, like, Syracuse Crunch, St. John's Ice Caps game when they, when they were affiliated with the, the Canadians still. And like Mark Bergevin and Claude Julien were just sitting in the corner of this rink at the War Memorial Arena in Syracuse. And like you could tell that they were trying to like just not be seen, just sitting in this random corner. But eventually fans realized like who they were and people actually went up to them and were asking for autographs. Like I remember that vividly. They just be like, wow, like they tried to hide, but like they're clearly There's there watching their, their affiliate. Anyone who's been in that building in Syracuse, there's nowhere to hide in there. Like that, it's 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 no. a cool building, but there's no like private boxes or backstage. I mean, there actually is a stage, but there's no sort of there's nowhere to hide. If you're at the game, you're at the game. Oh yeah, I, and 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 watch your head when you're trying to walk through the press box as well. It can uh... anyway. Um, let's go to Pittsburgh. Let's talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins. Two really interesting stories. One a little bit more interesting than the other. Uh, but we could start with the more interesting one before we get to Sidney Crosby and uh, what Robert Rossi wrote about him in The Athletic. Yarmir Yager, his number 68, lifted to the rafters in Pittsburgh. What a great ceremony. What a great weekend for him. Practicing with the team. Taking part in morning in uh, in warm-up with the team. Uh, guys wearing mullets in honor of him, obviously. What a great time. What a great way to celebrate one of the greatest players to have ever played the game, let alone one of the greatest Pittsburgh Penguins uh, to have ever put on a jersey. What did you think of the ceremony? Well, it was pretty awesome. And and I think it's important to underline how long coming that was. You know, it's been like 20 years plus since Yarmir Yager played in Pittsburgh, obviously went on and played for seven other NHL teams, played in the KHL. Now he's playing in, uh, in, in, back in the Czech League at home. Like, He's, he's he's been on an odyssey, but that was back to where it all began, at least as in terms of an NHL career. And you know, it was really neat to see all the old Penguins in town. You know, Ron Francis was there. Obviously, Mary Lemieux doesn't make a lot of public appearances these days. Was was out front and center, and a number of other players. I mean, it, it was. I loved it. I loved that Yager got into it and stayed with the team and everything too. I mean, it's it's hard to deny how cool that is. I mean, did you see the vid? with the sound where, where Chris Letang comes up to him and they're skating around the ice. And he's like, I, I wore 68 as a, as a kid because of you. And I, you know, I wear 58 in the NHL. Cause I couldn't, I got to Pittsburgh. I couldn't put on 68, Amazing. even though his number wasn't retired. Like it, it was, it was hard not to feel good. And I have to say, Julian, Yarmir Yager for me is one of the most fascinating NHL people, characters, players 
in the years that I've been around. Like I've always just kind of there's there's like a little bit of an unknowability to him, which I think is cool. Like he he leaves you wanting more, right? He's sort of coy in his answers. He's just he's got kind of a playful streak. Like he never you never get the feeling you have the whole story with him, which is I think is actually I mean, I don't know that he's not doing it on purpose, but it's actually made him a far more compelling character because I really don't feel like I know everything about him. Did I tell you about one of my favorite Yager stories, non-NHL related? Tell me. I would love to know. So I'm going to need the help of your Google. What year was the World Hockey Championship, Men's Championship in Cologne, Germany? And check one. I think it was around 2011 or 12. 2011, I think. Men's World Championship, Cologne, Germany. 2011. Uh... Try that. Yeah, let's see if it was 2011. I might not find this right away, but we, we'll, okay, we'll get so to this. Here's the story, though. The Czechs only sent three or four NHL players to that tournament and were big underdogs as a result, and Yager was there, and they pulled off an upset and, and won the whole thing. And I actually remember the scene. I, I was there covering it at the time for the Canadian press. The scene was crazy, like in, in the sort of mixed zone dressing room area. I remember the, the president of the country was down there, like, having a beer, whatever, like, celebrating with the team. Anyway, the, do our jobs, whatever. The next morning, I go to the airport. I'm flying home. And there's the entire Czech team. And it's no mystery who they are because they're all wearing, like, jeans and a T-shirt. But they have their, their sweaters tied around their neck, their, their waists or whatever, and wearing gold medals. Yeah. Uh, and they literally had the trophy up on, like, a bar. And it was it was like 9 a.m. ish. But, you know, when you're in an airport, there's no no first call, last call. And so, like, it was clear most of those people, those players hadn't slept and were still in the throes of their party, except for one, one very distinguished man who most people at hockey would recognize. And there's Yager Yager. And he's just like sipping like an espresso and just like looking. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure it's well known. I'm pretty sure he basically doesn't drink or has almost never drank in his life. And, and so he wasn't. He was sort of like presiding over the party, drinking his morning coffee, but he was not he was not in the in the mix, if you know what I mean. It was just it was so cool to like see him at the airport. And he was the only one, if I recall correctly, that wasn't wearing his jersey. Like he didn't he didn't have the the Chechia jersey tied around his waist. Like he I I don't think he was wearing his gold medal. He was just was like it's like he'd been there before, right? But um anyway, good memory. I just I guess this is all this is all to say I just always been sort of fascinated by Yager. I've had these glimpses like i remember once in in i can't remember what team he would have been playing for because he played with so many late in his nhl career but you have to sort of walk by where the visiting team is skating sorry doing stretches when if you're going up to the media elevator in toronto and i walked by him and i was wearing a green tie green tie and he just stopped me he goes did st patrick's day and i'm like (laughs) no i'm just i mean i I just wearing a green tie he's like okay like I just there's something about the guy. Like he's got a very playful streak inside, and I thought that this isn't all about this isn't Chris Johnson's story hour. But the few times I met Yermer Yager, it's just all of that was on display. I thought I thought that's what made it cool. It's like it was a very it was a very him weekend from what I could tell, you know, through watching it on social media and all that. And uh, you know, huge part of the Penguins, you got sixty six and sixty eight up there. You know, you're gonna have seventy one and eighty seven at minimum up there. Probably fifty eight too for Latang. I mean, when you're when you're an organization like Pittsburgh, the the line of where where a jersey gets retired is actually got to be pretty high. It's like, did you get three hearts? 
Because if you didn't get three hearts, we're not sure. Um, so I don't know where they'll draw the line from this from this current batch of penguins, but that's someone else's problem. We'll we'll leave that to Kyle Dubis and Fenway Sports Group. Um, but it was a it was a cool weekend and you know, kind of overshadowed by where I think you're taking me next is they get a lead in the game they played against LA after retiring Yager's jersey, and then they, they lose two one. And the reality of where they're at in the standings is getting harder and harder to ignore. Yeah, for sure. But I'll I'll add this. Uh, you're you're thinking of the year 2010 for that world championship in Cologne, Ger- in Cologne, Germany. Uh, I had a second point in my head that just mysteriously vanished. So maybe it wasn't that important. Uh, but yes, I, I did want to get to more discussions about where they are in the standings and what that might mean for Jake Gensel, who's still injured, uh, but also for Sidney Crosby. Uh, who says, at least according to Rob Rossi, our good friend at The Athletic, it doesn't seem as if uh, Jake Gensel and where he ends up will impact his own future with the organization. I mean, the idea of Sidney Crosby playing for another organization, there's no, I can't picture that ever happening. Like he's going to retire as a Pittsburgh Penguin. And if it's otherwise, we're in a parallel universe. There's no way this changes. Oh, wow. I'm less sure of that. I mean, he's, he's made it clear that's important to him. But the guy's playing pretty darn well at age 36. I know we, we've, we've given him some shine this year. And I'm just saying he's had that kind of season, and they're still, as we record this, nine points out of a wild card spot. Now, they have games in hand. There is a world where they reel off five straight wins from this point, and, and CJ's eating his words next week's pod. But <laughs> realistically, I think we're starting to get a feel for where that team is at. And so I know he doesn't want to leave Pittsburgh. I know he wants his legacy to be there. But he's a competitive guy. What happens if he's really good again next year? I mean, Joe Pavelski keeps reeling off these crazy years, 37, 38, 39. You know, I'm not saying, I just feel like the conditions could emerge. They're not here now. That's that's what I learned from that story from Robin Sidney, is that he's not even thinking about that. He's he's not getting involved in the Gensel thing as as an important player in the organization. He's not involved in that and saying, like, don't do it or anything. He's going to let Kyle Dubas do his job, but I don't know. We've seen a lot of athletes play somewhere else. I mean, Patrick yeah. Kane is playing for the Detroit Red Wings right now. There was a it's time I would have never. Right. But the question becomes: Look at and look. Sidney Crosby doesn't need anything for his legacy, right? Like he is clearly yeah. like he is, and and he has been for some time. I should should note. He's in like the true dessert stage of his career where he's got nothing to prove. Like anything he adds on at this point is just like, oh, wow. Like just just more and more and more. Right. Whether that's maybe trying to get another Olympic gold medal in, in you know, Italy in 2026 or you know, maybe he gets the 50 goals this year. It's, you know, he's falling off pace a little bit, but maybe he has a surge, you know, like all those types of things at his age. Like he can he can still add to this legacy. But we all know what it's like. He's a he's a he's on Mount Rushmore of NHL players. Right. So. But does he want to win another cup? That's that's my question. Because I I have a hard time seeing him win that Stanley Cup in Pittsburgh. Like a, a next one. I just don't see they have so much work to do. They've they've just not drafted enough because they've been trying to win. They're getting to the end of the road. Anyway. I'm not saying no, he's, just... I just I, I want to leave a 10% window in my answer where I could see him at some point in a couple years' time, maybe, maybe, maybe playing somewhere else i guess it's just like could you imagine like the new york rangers win a stanley cup and Sidney crosby is getting the cup like skating around madison square garden 
just celebrating and skating with it. I can't see that. And that would be a nightmare scenario for tons of people in Pittsburgh. Like, but I, I can't Jimmy see that Montreal. But like, they're, are they at a point? I mean, look, City, saying no to City Crosby on no, your team. I, I mean, come on. I know, but like, they're not that close to winning a Stanley Cup. I it know. would be cool for a legacy thing because he grew up as a big Canadians fan. But like, I don't know if that, that would be like a fun, I could totally see that in like a few years where you're, you're one of those what ifs where you're like, oh, you know what? Kent Hughes was actually discussed with Kyle Dupas about a Sidney Crosby trade. That's as far as I could see it. But him actually putting on a Canadian's uniform, as fun as that would be for some people, I can't see that happening. No way. He's a pen for life. I don't know. Look, as I say, this is this is the 10% or less scenario. I'm not, it's, it's far, yes. I'm with you. And look, he's helped that, that team win three Stanley Cups. But you never know. Sports, you know, some people forget that Joe Montana didn't finish his career in San Francisco. Or, you know, there's there's all kinds of examples. And, and Joe Montana maybe is a decent, comparable, different sport. But he had a lot of success as a 49er and still went and played in Kansas City. So, you know, you just, I can't say how he's going to feel when he gets down to, like, what might be one last year. Well, maybe he wants to go play with Nathan McKinnon or, or like, I, I don't know what the scenario is. But there's like, there has to be something out there in the back of your mind, like, huh, what if? The reason this is actually topical, Julian, and no one's, we didn't make this point. He's actually eligible to sign an extension as of July 1st in Pittsburgh. And I imagine he'll do that. Um, but you never know. It's, I mean, never, look at the organizations, yeah. like the, the thing that's giving the organization oxygen is they got, they're trying to squeeze one more out, one more big run, and they tried to do it this year, and it's, falling short and so i just i don't i don't know where they go next but i think it's pretty safe to say we're going to see them make a trade or two at the deadline in which they're looking a little bit to the future i don't think they're blowing it up by any stretch but they're gonna have to they're gonna have to get creative and take another run at it next summer in terms of being competitive next year i still can't see it but hey tune back to this pod i mean you know what like just i just can't see it Anyway, tune back to this podcast in about five months when we debate over the future of longtime Tampa Bay Lightning forward, Stephen Stamkos. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, I, don't, I don't have uh, anything new there. Yeah. I've, I've, I've said no, no, no. That, that, that wasn't me trying to bait you that. Sorry, that wasn't right. me trying to bait you out of that. That was just, it was just funny that we're discussing Sidney Crosby possibly staying his entire career in Pittsburgh or leaving when there was another superstar forward uh, who could very? Who's in a very similar situation, as far as we're concerned? Except, except his contract expiring, and exactly. his team—it's had its ups and downs. It's in a wild card spot, but like that—that that, the Lightning could still conceivably win with the sort of pieces they still have in place. If it all came together, there's at least you know. I mean, they're in a different phase in Pittsburgh. I think. Absolutely. Um, we have some questions for Ask CJ, but I did want to ask you about the PWHL game you were at at uh, Scotiabank Arena uh, involving the uh, PWHL Toronto team. They break a record, an attendance record, for most fans at a women's game ever, like even including international games. It seemed like you were enjoying yourself off of uh, the photos you were sending us in the group chat. What did you think of that experience? What did you think of the record being broken? Tell us about your time with the PW. It was unreal, man. It was so cool. Um, you know, I'm in that arena a lot for other events. I mean, it's, it's as lively as I can recall. And, and look at, 
it's it's apples to oranges. I mean, the price point is different. You have a lot of families and kids there for the PWHL Toronto Montreal game. Um, obviously, this league is still new. I think there's still just a lot of excitement and curiosity around what it is. And even from the players, like you could see kind of the emotion on their faces as they're introduced, as they're sort of soaking it in. Um, it's like it was just a special night. And do you know what's even cool, Julian? This was a total coincidence this happened. But I went to Ottawa on Saturday to see some family, and I went to the PWHL game, Ottawa-Boston, on Saturday afternoon. So I went to two games in 18 hours after not having been to one. And, you know, it was obviously a little different. It wasn't the same atmosphere as Scotiabank Arena. But it, like, I feel like that league really has some wins behind its sails. And I don't think any of us knew what it would be. I don't know if the people that run the league knew what it would be, just how, how much it had to be thrown together. But I, I think they've really got something here, and there's obviously going to be all kinds of challenges as they grow and expand. I mean, the the other side of the Toronto story is that they're playing at Madame Arena for most of their games, and you know that that is a much smaller venue and and probably not ideal for the Toronto team. But you know, for all the there's all sort of talk in Toronto like it's not a hockey market, meaning that it's a Leafs market. You know, the Leafs obviously have been a huge brand in the city for a long time, and you know, they, they are what they are. But, you know, sometimes when there's been OHL teams or the AHL team doesn't get supported as well. I mean, the PWHL is breaking that mold. I, I can tell you that much. And it was awesome. I mean, I, I realize I'm just throwing out a bunch of adjectives now, but it was it's almost hard to put to words how special it felt in there. And, you know, really gives me hope that this league. That it's that it's going to you know, I think they're going to I think they're going to build slow. I'll say that, like, I know there's interest in Detroit and Pittsburgh and other places. Like, I think they're going to stick with this original six concept for a little while and try to get it right and get to where, you know, make sure they, they dial in all the details to make this league as professional and at the level they want it. But the, the, the level of interest, the excitement around it is awesome. And honestly, probably goes without saying the level of hockey is noteworthy. Um, of course. Beyond you know, the game, the games are maybe a little more defensive at this point, like it just like the games I saw, I saw two games. There were not very many odd, you know, odd man rushes in those games. There's one breakaway in the Ottawa Boston game because the two Ottawa defenders actually collided and left, left the Richard Ottawa Minnesota game. Uh, but you know, so the goals aren't always just coming as much. But man, like fast and physical and competitive, it's just great hockey. So I would just encourage anyone. Not to, this is this is not a paid ad or anything, but but I am. I'm bullish on the league. I'm really excited to keep watching it and you get a chance to go experience a game. It's hard to do because tickets are all gobbled up. I would, I would get out there and watch as soon as you can. Seriously, man. I, I wish I was in a market that had a PWHL team and Hey, maybe that could change. But uh, if I was in Montreal still, or if I was in Toronto or any of the markets, I would be going to games because it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. And it was like, I think it even blew them away how well the Scotiabank take went. I mean, they, they sold out the rink in less than 24 hours, three weeks before the game. Like, there wasn't a lot of play. Like, that that was thrown together last minute, and it was a smashing success. It was so cool. Yeah. 19,285 at that arena, breaking an attendance record. That's hats off to the PWHL for that. You know, it's only a matter of time. The Montreal team has a game at Centreville. Cause that's a bigger arena. So you can, you can, you can, there's places you could still break that record. Right. And one of them is in Montreal. Oh, yeah. So I think that I've I don't know any specific plans, but I think, you know, they're going to want to do that eventually. It might not be the next season, but they're going to take a run at that in Montreal. I've got no doubt. 
I'm I honestly I saw that number and I thought, okay, someone in Montreal somewhere is thinking that. I'm glad we have the same brain on that. <laughs> Uh, one other thing I'll, I'll just mention too, cause we did mention the flames. Uh, I will, uh, this, normally you would, be, you, I would mention this for stick taps, but, uh, Oliver Shillington scored, uh, against the Winnipeg Jets on Monday. That's his first goal since April, 2022. And it was a nice goal, uh, skating from Santa Rice unassisted effort, but for a player of, of, of his caliber, who has been away for some time due to personal issues and for him to finally get on the score sheet after that time away, I thought that was a really cool moment from the Monday and uh, just wanted to make sure that gets shouted out as well. Love that. Love that. Saw a highlight. Nice goal. Yeah, it was a really nice goal from Oliver Shillington. Anyway, let's get to questions. Uh, a quick ask CJ. Thank you to everyone who sent in questions off of Discord or on Twitter. And it's funny, we mentioned the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, very briefly. Florida man Matt Maroon asks, are the Tampa Bay Lightning considered to be scrappy underdogs among the top teams? I don't think so, just because of who they are and where they've been. Like they have, they have that vibe of a team that if they get in the playoffs, they know what they need to do for success. And so I, I get that this year... They're they're not in the mix to you know chase down a president's trophy or anything like that. They're not they're not going to win the Atlantic Division crown even. But I just think whoever draws them in round one, assuming they make the playoffs, it's not going to be a comfortable feeling because they have so many gamers on that side. They they've had a lot of success together as a core group, and you know let's see where the goaltender's at. I mean, I think a lot of the success of the Lightning has been built on Andre Vasilevsky's play, and this has been a strange season for him. You know, having the surgery and missing bunch of time early on in the year but if he can get into to something close to top form you know come mid-april look out the no one is calling them an underdog if you're going up against vasilevsky and he's on his game and then you have the, the rest of the players in that team and i think julian brisebois will as he usually does uh find some way to augment his lineup and give them the best version that they can be uh heading into the playoffs okay what about from louis tensos what are the odds of the Los Angeles Kings becoming sellers and players like Matt Roy and Trevor Lewis get dealt? They're getting better. I mean, they, they haven't, it's been a tough month and a half. So, you know, it, it it's not unprecedented, right? We've seen teams like Nashville and Washington last year, which weren't projecting as sellers and ended up selling some, some players. You know, I, I don't think, I don't get any sense that, that the Kings are wanting to do that at this point, but it, you can't rule it out as a possibility just because the season has gone sideways on them and, and they've made the coaching change. And so if, you know, if it gets to early March and, and they've, they've fallen back, I, I suppose it's possible, but I don't think that they'd be big sellers, even if they, they maybe sold off a piece or two. And, you know, sometimes, um, you know, sometimes teams sell and still make the playoffs too. Right. So that, that, that shouldn't be ruled out. Maybe there's, that kind of trade on there, but I, I I don't think that I have them as likely sellers, but you know, I, I'm looking at Seattle, Philadelphia, um, Minnesota, wondering if those teams are going to have a bigger decision, you know, depending on where they're at, you know, come another week, week and a half from now. Such a log jam as we speak anyway, for that second wildcard spot in the Western conference, St. Louis, Nashville, Minnesota, Seattle, Calgary, Arizona's fallen off, actually. Losers of five in a row. Uh, no wins in their I think last they've won one games. of their last ten. Okay. It's, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's actually on the NHL side, it says 0-9-1. So, so maybe one of their last 11, but like 
the Coyotes, that, that was a team that I expected to be much further up in the discussion, but they have just not had a good run of it. But you still have all those other teams I mentioned competing, and you could easily see a scenario where all of these teams end up selling for whatever reason. You could make an argument for them to sell and maybe for maybe one or two of those teams maybe to buy, but it is very tight for that wild card spot in the Western Conference. Yeah, not getting any those are tough jobs for the GM because I can tell you what they're all thinking internally. Each and every yes. one of them is thinking we don't want to finish ninth, nope. the equivalent of ninth, and and you know like the, the the spot right below the playoff line. And if you don't sell and you you miss out by a point, you really you're stuck in the middle. You're not drafting that high. You don't get the benefit of the playoff dates for your owner, and you you held on to players you could have maybe turned into other assets. So like that's that's the disaster scenario, and that's why I think some of those teams will ultimately sell even if they're right on the cusp because it's it's easier just to to take the certainty. And and if you have good trade offers, a team like Philadelphia is an example. Like they've they've been talking all year on a lot of their players. I, I still think they're gonna sell, even though they're they're right there in the East. So I mean it it almost seems kind of crazy, but I, I wouldn't at all surprise me to see them still still be in sell mode even though they're they're got a chance to make the playoffs. This next one from Hot Dog Bun. Has Julian become an official Calgarian yet and had the beef or chicken donair pizza from Signore's? I have had the uh, beef donair pizza last summer. Uh, uh, my, you know, it's funny, actually. Uh, my sister, one of my sisters came to visit me last uh, last May and they randomly went on TikTok and found a whole list of these different Calgary places they wanted to go to. And they were like, yeah, the Signore's place is pretty good. So we drove out there. It was like maybe like 15, 20 minutes from my place up north. And we just sat in a parking lot and just ate this beef donair pizza, which was very delicious. I don't know if uh, you've had this place uh, from your Calgary travels. I have not, but it sounds like something I'd be into. So I'll, I'll put that on the list for my next visit. Absolutely. So, uh, Signores, uh, shout out to them. Shout out to their pizza. Very good. What about from Wyatt McRae? Can we give Bobby McMahon the nickname, the nickname of the mcmaninator <laughs> the mcmaninator <laughs> i don't know this? i i will say i've got a group a group text with my buddies like my from home who aren't in our industry and they're all leaf fans and they're talking about how they want to get mcmahon jerseys so the the mcmahon the mcmahon stands are out there i can tell you that much but i don't know that the mcmaninator well it does, when you get used to it it does come off the tongue okay but i, I won't be calling them that some people are calling I'm him Nick with... Matthews because they score in the goals, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm good with McMahon. McMahon, Bobby this is McMahon's the good side. I will say the good side of like a crazy hockey market is when you have a player like this, it gets all good fun too, right? And they get built up a lot more than they, you know, someone might not in another market. I, I realize there's the downside when things don't go well for certain players, but there is also these sort of cult like hero players that that teams that have a big following have, and that's. That's the, Bobby McMahon is getting into like, I don't know if cult might be a little strong, but like he's getting a pretty big following among the hardcores out there. Trust me. If, if, if the Leafs make the playoffs and Bobby McMahon scores a big game three goal, if those jerseys weren't flying off the shelves already, you will see Bobby McMahon jerseys for a long time in Toronto. I'm telling you, you know, this, that's the fun of the playoffs. There's usually un, unsung heroes on whatever team goes and has a long run. All right, that's going to do it for Ask CJ. Uh, unless you have some random trade tidbit you want to bring up, 
that's going to do it for the CJ show as well uh, for our early week edition of our great and amazing show. We'll be back uh, on Thursday. Hopefully Thursday. We know the schedule's been out of whack, but we should be back on Thursday. Things should be back to normal. And uh, you can continue to subscribe to our show, whether on Spotify, Apple, the SDPN YouTube page as well. Subscribe to our Discord for the SDPN. Just get into all the SDPN stuff as much as you can because uh, this train's not going to stop, especially as we inch closer and closer to the March 8th trade deadline. A lot more fun to come for CJ and myself. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. For CJ, I'm Julian. So long. The Chris Johnston Show. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JKMcKenzie.